Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter number five. St. John chapter number five. Amen. This morning, the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to see different ones that are here. Amen. Good to have the Swatsleys and Jenny and Briley and everybody with us. Amen. Uh, I I got a bone to pick with KC and uh, he's going to have to empty out his voicemail box so that whenever I call, he can hear my pretty voice. Just really disappoints me. I can't leave him a pretty message. (laughs) Oh, there it is. Uh, but we'll keep the voice mailbox clear because you, you want to hear this good voice on that. But boy, you know, shame to be able to call and not be able to leave him mail, you know. <clears throat> but anyway, so glad to see them this morning in the house of the Lord. John chapter number five. I'm going to begin reading. I'm going to begin reading with verse number two. Brother Pat, can you go over here in this little hallway right there? I got something in there I want you to bring out. Just put right here in front of the, the pulpit for me. It's not heavy. I think you can handle it. Amen. Love Brother Pat. Be praying for him with the loss of Michelle and that whole family. Amen. With her loss. And the Lord would strengthen them and help them. Amen. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that wouldn't normally be over there. Not normally. <clears throat> Just set it right there in front. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Amen. John chapter 5, verse number 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches and in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk blind halt withered waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming another step of down before me, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. For some, this may be a familiar story this morning. Actually, my inspiration, someone at camp during the morning service used this passage to preach from. But as soon as they read their text and we were seated, God began to talk to me about the text. And I probably spent maybe the first 15 or 20 minutes uh, writing things down. This morning, I want to minister to this congregation this. When the water isn't troubled when the water isn't troubled because there's a lot of emphasis in this particular verse about the angel coming down troubling the water the first one in made whole so on so forth but i want to talk about that period of time that isn't emphasized necessarily here in scripture and that's when the water isn't troubled all right amen let's go to the lord in prayer right now father i come to you today i'm so thankful lord again God, to be in your house, God, with and among, Lord Jesus, your people. 
I know, Lord Jesus, that perhaps you have something for us today through your word. Give me ears to hear, God, what the Spirit is saying through the word of the Lord this morning. I need, oh, Lord Jesus, to be spoken to, God, by your word. In this word, God, is life. God, instruction and guidance, Lord, for our hearts and for our souls. I pray, oh, Lord, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, in this service this morning. God, break every chain, Lord Jesus. Let there be a spirit of praise, worship, Lord, people that's ready to be in agreement with your word this morning. God, and we'll give you the glory and the praise for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. When the water isn't troubled. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. When the water isn't troubled. If you were to look at the book of John, particularly the chapter that came before this one that I read and the one that comes after this one, John 4 and John 5 and John 6. The writer, I do not believe it is coincidence because they were all moved on and inspired by the Holy Ghost to write. But in John chapter number 4, the one prior to this, John chapter 4 deals with water from a well and a Samaritan woman needing her thirst quenched by that water. In John chapter number five, in our reading this morning, it deals with water that is at a pool with four, five porches that are around it and a impotent man in need of a healing. In John chapter number six, it deals with the water of the sea of Galilee and a group of disciples that Jesus sent to cross over the Sea of Galilee who are struggling in their rowing on their way to Capernaum. The woman of John 4 came to the well of water at an uncommon hour. The Bible says that she received living water, though from Jesus, uh, thus leaving, the scripture says, her water pot behind. In obedience to Jesus, the man in John 5 responded. He responded to the Lord in a off season of the moving of the water. And yet he walked away from the pool made whole. At first in John chapter number 6, the disciples were troubled at the sight of the Lord Amen. He comes walking upon the Sea of Galilee and they would later, his disciples would later discover that that was Jesus walking on the sea during the evening hour. And when they, the Bible says, received him into their ship immediately, they arrived at the destination they were so trying to get to yet was struggling to do so. Each of these stories involve water. Each of these stories involve a need. And yet all of these stories end differently than the characters in them would have imagined them to end. But for our purposes this morning, I want to talk to you about John chapter number 5. I want to focus your attention on this impotent man that has had a spirit of infirmity for 38 years and possibly spent most, if not many of those years, around the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter number 5, this pool in the Hebrew tongue, which was called Bethesda, means the house of mercy or the place of of grace. Evidently, as the story goes, the Bible story that is, it tells us that when, everybody say when, when these waters were troubled, these waters were then known for their medicinal 
properties and purposes. Their positive impact upon those who would get into the water after it was troubled or when it was troubled. Those that had frail disadvantages and, and, and being halt or withered or paralyzed when they got in after the waters were troubled or when the waters were troubled would be healed, would be made whole. But it seems as though the medicinal properties of the water was not so much so there until the waters were troubled. Amen. And it's only then that they were of any advantage to those that were ill or disadvantaged or sick or wounded, them getting into into the waters. Evidently, it had a pretty good reputation because the Bible says that the porches were filled with a great multitude. There were many people around and about this pool. So it's not just that this is something that took place one time or there was one occurrence in history, but evidently there were regular seasons whenever the water was troubled and people undoubtedly got in and were made whole or healed of whatever it was that held, that held them. And so you see then a great population of people around about the pool because these are people that are lame, impotent, sick and they want to happen to them what has happened to others before them. They want what happened to, they want something to happen to them, what's happened to the people that got into the waters after they were troubled. Understand, the people that are described lying on the five porches around, amen, this pool of water, it describes that they are waiting. They're waiting, Brother Terry, for a moving of the water because there was, as the Bible describes it, a certain season when the angel would come and trouble the water. I don't know, according to the passage, I don't know if it was the same season, the same time of year, every year when that season was, or if it was a, a predictable season, or if it was more at random. Sometimes it was in the fall, maybe sometimes in the summer. I don't know. I, I, I tend to believe that maybe it wasn't a, a predictable season, amen, or, or there would be more that would be first in. I, I assume today that it was probably unpredictable, more random, if you will. Nonetheless, the guarantee that Scripture gives concerning those that were first in after the troubling of the water is quite amazing. Look at the Scripture, what it says to us, if you will, what the guarantee is in verse number 4. It tells us, Whosoever was first in after the troubling of the water was made whole of whatsoever. Now that's quite a guarantee. Whosoever... It doesn't state that you have to be a scribe or a Pharisee or a Jew or a Gentile. It just said whosoever. And if you're in there after the water's been troubled, first in after the troubling, then you will be made whole of whatsoever. It's not that it only took the lame or it only took the blind or it only took the cripple or the one that was paralyzed or the one with heart condition. No, it was two broad brushes it painted with. It gave a guarantee. Whosoever first is in after the troubling will be made whole of whatsoever disease that they have and the Bible says in these porches around about this pool were all of these impotent disadvantaged folk in some way the Bible says that there were the blind there were the halt there were the withered amen and so here's something we got to understand concerning the people that are around about the pool to say that one was better equipped than the other to make it to the pool may be a little far-fetched right because the blind couldn't see the pool. Huh? But the halt or the lane, though they could see it, 
they couldn't easily walk to the pool, right? The withered were drawn up in some aspect of their body, whether it be a leg or an arm. So it made their journey a little difficult getting to the pool. So we couldn't say the blind has a disadvantage over the halt or the halt has, has a, an advantage over the withered or so on and so forth. They all, in their own regard, amen, had difficulties they would have to overcome in order to make it to the pool. The, the blind's going to have to feel his way there. Uh, the crippled may have to crawl or pull himself on the arms there. They all had certain measures they would have to do in order to get to the pool. And yet with these drawbacks, we're made to think, that someone, it seems, always made it into the pool. Regardless of their calamity, regardless of their illness, somebody seemed to always make it into the pool. Everybody say, after. After the waters had been troubled. Even the man who had this infirmity that the Bible focuses on for 38 years, he even explains that others stepped down before him into the troubled water as he was coming. He, he was saying, I was on my way whenever the waters were troubled, but as I was getting close, there would be others that would step down in front of me. So there seems to be always somebody making it into the pool after the waters are troubled. And it almost seems a little bit unfair to think about it, a little unfair to link the healing of these folks to their mobility when a lot of them have problems with being mobile huh you almost say I mean Lord you, you know you could have there could have been some other venue some other means or way for them to get their healing than to say if the cripple can make his way to the pool he'll be made whole if the blind can find his way to the pool Right? I mean, it just almost seems, you know, God's having a sense of humor here or something. It's a little bit unfair. But he's saying if you can get in after the troubling of the water, you will be made whole. Now look, it, it seemed to be at distance. It would seem that the distance to or from the water would be the key component in being first. Because the closer you are to the pool, the more likely you would get in first after the troubling of the water or after the moving of the water. Now, I, I know, I, I, folks, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but if I'm a cripple standing over here and the water's become troubled and, and I can't walk, per se, with my legs and I'm down here on the porch, if the water's got troubled and there's some other guys closer, me going like this is going to be a little difficult to beat old Joe. That's five feet in front of me. That's blind. And he's just feeling. You understand what I'm saying? So it almost seems like your distance to the pool is an advantage to you. That if you're closer, you might have a greater likelihood of getting in the pool when the waters are troubled and whoo, be made whole. Amen? It's all right to say amen. It is. It really is. It's almost like, you know, whenever you have a race and you have uh, the mark or the start line and you have all the runners that's waiting at the mark for the sound of the gun uh, before they can take off, before they can take their first stride toward the finish line. Uh, everybody would say, that's good, that, that's great, that is a fair thing because everybody's starting at the same mark when they hear the gun. You know, no, if someone goes over the line before the gun goes off, you know, there's a disqualification so because the fairness, everybody. But here we have these folks are starting from all different marks. They got all kinds of different issues. Not all, it's not like all the blind are lined up and then you're, we're going to give you all a chance. <laughs> then we got, well, here's the cripple race, you know. 
I'm going to let you all go. No, no. They're all starting at different marks across this five porches, and it's a great multitude. And if they, listen to me very clearly, if they wait to move once the waters move, is it not right to assume that the closest will maybe possibly be first or at least the most mobile might be the one to make it in? Someone say amen. I believe we have long time interpreted this passage as the healed, the one who's made whole, being the first in after the waters have been troubled at perhaps a undetermined season, a certain season that no one perhaps knew but knew it was going to take place. And so the infirm have to lie all around this pool waiting for the troubling of the waters and then move toward it. But what I want to submit to you today is this. What would have happened if the man got in the pool before the water was ever troubled? What if those that were lame and those that were blind and those that were halt were not just sitting, lying around on the porch, waiting for the troubling of the water, waiting for the angel to come down and say, oh, there's a rustling of the water. I need to make my way now toward the pool. What if they made their way toward the pool when nothing was happening? What if they made their way, the blind started to feel his way to the pool before any bubbling of the water ever took place? I submit to you today that it is just as important as what you do when the water's is trouble as when they are not troubled. Someone say amen. The Bible plainly says it this morning, verse number three, that this great multitude of people were waiting. They were waiting for the moving of the water. And can I submit to you this morning that not everybody waits the same. Some people can wait just by doing nothing. But there are other people that wait by preparing for their next step when it's available, when it's capable, when it's possible. What are you saying? I believe some were waiting just by lying there and waiting for a notion in the water. But I believe those who made their way and many times were first in were people that moved when the water wasn't troubled, that moved when nothing was taking place, that moved when the angel didn't show up. Why? Because they knew, they knew, although the water's not troubled today, there is a season coming somewhere. There's another season sometime. The water is going to be troubled again and I'm going to poise myself and I'm going to position myself to be in a place that I can get in first when it someone say amen what are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying sometimes in our Christian walk, we are like many of the blind and the halt and the crippled around about the pool. We're lay, lying there. We are waiting just for the next troubling of the water. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Just because the water isn't troubled right now, amen, for your advantage in your life, doesn't mean you can't do something. Doesn't mean you gotta fold your arms or your legs or shut your mouth and be inactive. You can do something when the water isn't troubled that will position you well for when it is. Someone say amen. You look throughout the pages of scripture and you could see how, hallelujah, perhaps some different examples, but it's in the off season when fishermen can't cast their nets into the water and fish that you find them in the scripture washing their nets. Uh-huh. It's when the storms are raging and there's high waves taking place out upon the sea that you'll find them since they can't cast their net. They'll mend their net. You know why? They're saying, I'm waiting. 
I can't fish right now. I'm waiting. I can't cast my net right now. But me waiting is not sitting on the porch with my feet propped up. No, me waiting is I'm going to wash my nets because they need to be clean for my next cast. I'm going to mend my nets because they need to be repaired for the next cast because this season isn't going to last forever. There's going to become a season I can fish again. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying today? We need to get in the mindset that when the water isn't moving, that doesn't mean I don't have to move. That means I need to move even when the water isn't moving. Here is the concept, folks. They're waiting for the moving of the water. But they couldn't move while nothing in the water was moving. And I submit to this congregation this morning, if you only move when the waters are troubled, you may miss your moment. You may miss your moment when they are troubled. But if you can move... When they're not, you can position yourself, whatever your calamity ailment is. We can talk about physical this morning. We can talk about spiritual. We can talk about a variety of things that could place you at the very same porch waiting for the moving of the water. But if you can move and position yourself when nothing is happening. Do you understand? Here's old Joe over here. He's blind. Oh, what's that I hear? It sounds like a bubbling of the water. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be the first in. If I can just feel my way through this. He's getting over there. He's getting over there. He's feeling, oh, they're okay. There's the water. Amen. Only to find out somebody on the edge says, Joe, you're too late. Somebody's already got in before you. But what if? Even Joe, maybe he was feeling around. Maybe he's going and on his way said, oh, praise God. Someone's like, glory. Someone just got healed. There's Joe. What's Joe going to do? Is he going to go back where he was lying and waiting? If Joe's smart, you know what he's going to do? That's all right. That happened then. I'm going to go on and feel my way to where that pool is. Ah, because there's another season coming. I wonder today, folks, what would happen? I emphasize this. What would happen if somebody got in the pool? Oh, the water's still. Nothing's taking place. Maybe so. But you're in a great position for a miracle. You're in a great... Oh, yes! It's what we do when the water isn't moving. I believe probably perhaps some of the difference between those who got in first and those who didn't during the time of troubling have a lot to do with how they waited on their next season of troubling of the water. How you spend your time when it perceivably seems like nothing's happened. Every surfer's ready to hit the hit the, the the sea whenever the waves are coming in high. Whenever we were in Hawaii over there doing prison ministry, we went to a food truck one day. Loved it. I got a lot of mileage out of this. It was a place called Jesus Crust. They had pizza and barbecue. I got a lot of mileage out of that. Jesus Crust. We even had them uh, delivered to the house that we were staying in one time. And uh, there was a dear sister of ours who was from Michigan, and their women's spree was uh, catering a meal, if you will, for all of us that was staying in the home there at prison. And so she got a call from Jesus Christ. <laughs> and she answered the phone. She says, this is a Jesus Christ. She said, oh, my Lord. 
got so much mileage out of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we'd had it for several days, and Sister Reinhardt's kind of iffy about leftovers, and you go get the scurvy. She was telling me, you go get the scurvies and all this stuff. She says, you need to take that stuff and throw it away. I said, sis, if I put Jesus Christ in the trash can and throw it away three days later, he's coming up out of there. It's going to Got a lot, that's a lot of mileage out of that thing, I'm telling you. But so, so Jesus Christ, and he was telling us, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, it's so hard to find workers around here. Because it was on the north shore of Oahu there in Florida. And that's where some of the, the pipeline of, of, of Hawaii, rather, where the pipeline is, where people really get the high surfs, mostly in December. But he says, it's hard to keep workers. He said, because if, if it goes to a condition that there is great surf coming in, he said, everybody don't show up to work and they're on the water. Because everybody likes to go whenever the water's moving. Everybody's flooding to the church. Everybody's saying their prayers. Everybody, can I get can, 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 Just even last Sunday night was a good indication. All hands were on deck whenever something was moving. Yeah, everybody was, everybody was glued in. Nobody left early. tell you what determines the success or failure of times like that it's what we do when the water isn't moving oh somebody hear me today it's what we're doing when the water isn't moving amen everybody wants to ride the wave everybody wants to get in the water when there's trouble but if somebody would make some type of effort if somebody would make some type of headway to get there whenever the waters even are not troubled you got hope and a promise another season is coming and so you move whenever the season isn't moving because it will again and you'll be in a good place amen to be there and accept it and get what you need from God See, the key component here really for this man is he needed, the man of 38 years, infirmity, he needed to have a desire and a want to, Sister Jessup, that would materialize into an action when nothing was going on. So inflamed and consumed with a desire and a want to that he says the water doesn't have to be moving in order for me to be doing something. So my question for us this morning is this. What do you do when the water is in trouble? The man that had the infirmity for 38 years noticed the scripture. Look at it again. He attempted to move he said others got in front of him. He attempted to move when the waters were troubled or after the waters were troubled. Read the scripture. Look at it. He attempted to move when the water was moving. He attempted to move after the waters were moving. And then he told the Lord, others step down in front of me. Then he starts to blame other people. Are you listening to me? Then he starts to blame other people in getting in before him. But he only moves when it moves. He only moves after it started moving. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know how far he was from the pool. I don't know how far he was. It was 10 feet, 20 feet. We're not told how far he was from the pool. But I do wonder this. As a preacher looking at the word of God, I wonder how much effort he put forth in closing the gap between him and the pool when the waters weren't troubled. 
Just a question I ask myself. He, had he, in my opinion, had he made advancement when the waters weren't troubled, he may have been better off when they were troubled. So I ask us this morning as a collective group and congregation today, what are we waiting for? Who are you waiting for? Tim Hansel said it like this. He said, the habit of always putting off an experience until you can afford it or until the time is right or until you know how to do it is one of the greatest burglars of joy. In other words, there may have been some there on that porch that would have thought it quite ridiculous or even funny for someone to get into the water when nothing was happening. Could you imagine the outcry of the crowd? Someone get in the water and they're like, <laughs> look at that idiot over I don't know, but there's no... Hey, Bubba, the water's not moving. I know you're blind. Let me help you out. The water's not moving, Bub. Laughter, maybe. Someone thinking he must be crazy. He's an idiot. What does he think he's doing? Honey, that you might get all of that whenever you start to move and it seems like nothing is happening. Amen. They may ask, what are you doing, sir? Uh, nothing has happened, sir. Why are you in the pool? Amen. But he could, if he wanted to, cry out in that very same episode. It may not be happening. Hey, all you naysayers, uh, it may not be happening right now, but it's going to. So I'm ready for when it does. I'm getting ready for when it is trouble. I'm not going to wait to get into the water when it starts happening. I'm going to get into the water and anticipate it's going to happen. I wish as a church, I wish as people in our personal lives, we could make some headway when nothing's going on so we'd be right where we need to be when something starts going on. I what about when the water isn't troubled? You can't wait at a distance from the pool. You can't wait at a distance from the water. But I am telling you today, I'm going to kick all this stuff. I am telling you today, amen, you're not going to get in. You're not going to get what you need if you don't make some movement when it isn't troubled. If you don't make some movement. You already know it's going to happen in the pool. You already know it's going to happen when it's trouble. Why stay 15 feet from it? Why stay 20 feet from it? Why don't you go on and get as close as you can? Look at the Bible, John 5 and verse number 6. I'm fine with all that stuff falling as long as my open water doesn't. John 5, 6, look at it. Speaking of the man with the infirmity for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lie. This is not 38-year-old infirmity man in motion. He's lying. Nothing. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long time in that case. I know the Lord was probably talking about his 38-year infirmity, but I was kind of humorously reading it the other day. And knew that he had been now a long time in that case. A long time just lying. Waiting. Being immobile. He saith unto him. Wilt thou be made whole? When Jesus. Listen to me now. When Jesus came to this man. With a 38 year old infirmity. Nothing indicates in the scripture. That the waters. We're troubled when Jesus spoke to the man. 
So the water isn't troubled, but the man is just lying there. We're getting a pulse for what this man does when the water isn't troubled. He's lying there. He isn't doing anything. He's not trying to close the gap between him and the pool. He's not trying to close the gap, amen, between what he needs and the dilemma of where he's at. Jesus knows the man's been suffering from an infirmity for 38 years, a long time. And he also knows the man has been lying there in between seasons. Lying there in between seasons. Yeah, when's the last time you seen him? I seen him move when the water moved. But I hasn't seen him move since. I seen him move when the last time we had a revival. I seen him move when we were at camp. I seen him move when we were at conference. I seen him move when everybody else was moving. But sometimes you got to take initiative. Even if nobody else moves when the water isn't troubled, you got to move. Someone say amen. And so here he is. He knows for 38 years he's dealt with his problem. He's presently found lying on the porch. And when the water wasn't troubled, here he is lying on the porch. It's, it's sort of like this, folks. There's a sign, according to my understanding, along the Alaskan highway up in Alaska that reads this, a literal sign. It says, choose your ruck carefully. You'll be in it for the next 200 miles. What's saying from this point forward, you better find you a good rut because you're not going to get out of it for 200 miles. Sir, if you don't move when the water isn't moving, you better find you a rut to get in because your action today could turn into a habit and a lifestyle for days to come. All it would take, oh, oh, Sam over here, you know, he's blind. He's going to make his way. Every other time he's moved whenever the water wasn't moving. But you know what? He thought one day, I'm tired of moving whenever the water isn't moving. I'm not going to move today. And after a time, you know what happens? There's many other days that go by that he chooses. I'm not going to move because what's the use anyway? And what became a choice now turned into a lifestyle. And all that does is delay exactly what he needs. Someone say amen. So here he is. Look at verse number seven. Verse seven, look at it. It alludes to the fact. Let me read it. The impotent man answered him, speaking back to Jesus. He said, what thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man. Here we go. When, notice that, that when is important. I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, meaning evidently he tried when the water was troubled. Another step of down before me. So verse 7 alludes to the fact that it seems the impotent man only endeavored to move when the water was troubled. And when the water was troubled, he sought for help from somebody else to get him there. To put him in the water. And when the water was troubled, he attempted to make a move toward the water. If you go back to verse number 6 where Jesus asked, Wilt thou be made whole? In the amplified version of the Bible, that question is like this. Do you want to become well? Are you really earnest about getting well? See, that's a good question for Jesus to ask somebody that only wants to move when the water moves. You really want to be well? You've been in this condition for 38 years. Your answer's there. 
Do you, do you real, are you really earnest about this? You know what he's doing? He's asking the man so the man can think rhetorically. Maybe I'm not because when the water isn't moving, I don't do anything. Do, do you really want, well, do, do you really need something? Are you really earnest about it? Because I, I, I found you when the water isn't moving and you're just lying here. You know what Jesus is asking that man? He's asking him about his desire. He's asking him about the desire. And know what the man does. This is the way it happens. Here's this man. He has a need. He needs it met. Jesus asked the man, wilt thou be made whole? He's asking the man, are you earnest? Do you want it? He's asking the man about his desire. And the man doesn't even answer anything according to the question. He asks the man about the desire, and then the man just basically ignores the question by excusing his inactions and blaming his lack of results on somebody else. Jesus, what's your desire? Well, Lord, others got down in front of me. Excuses in actions. Blame somebody else. For the lack of results. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. I'm going to read in your hearing today. The Bible says the preacher, Solomon the preacher in Ecclesiastes, he says, If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God, who maketh all. In the morning, he says then, sow thy seed. And the evening, withhold not thine hand from what? Sowing your seed. For thou knowest not whether they whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. You know what the preacher is telling us? He's telling us this. There are some things in life that you can't change. Hmm? There's some things in life that you cannot change. The rain's going to fall when the rain desires to fall. And the trees are going to fall in the forest, north or south. And where they fall, that's where they're going to lay. Hey Amen. There's just some things you cannot change. The impotent man around about the pool, he could not change the fact that the waters were not troubled. Couldn't change that. There's just some times that the waters are not troubled. He couldn't change the fact, amen, by himself that he was struck with an infirmity. Amen. He couldn't change the fact that that had come upon his body. But he could change his position he could change his position in other words the preacher in Ecclesiastes is saying everyone that excuses sowing and reaping he said there's some they won't sow because you know the wind's blowing and the clouds are in the air in a certain way and so we better not go do anything today because this is happening out there. He says, every man that excuses sowing and reaping due to the wind and the clouds he says, you know what will happen? They'll never sow and they'll never reap. Why? Because there's always going to be something there's always going to be something that you could say, you know what, I better not do that today because. I, I can't do that today because. We can fill our life with excuse, excuse, excuse. If you want to, you can give an excuse for any reason why you don't do something. I'll tell you the truth. Oh, the, there's a cloud over there today, or the wind's blown today, or, or the ground's a little hard today. Well, I need, to, I need to sharpen the plow, you know, or this, that, and the other. You can always come up with another excuse why not to. 
know someone say hallelujah He's saying, listen here. He's saying, you can always have excuses for not sowing and not reaping. And if you live that type of life, if, if you get sowed into excusing everything, he said, then you'll never sow and you'll never reap. He said, every man, listen to me, you hearing me? Every man around about the porch could have excuses about why they weren't healed. Huh? Or while they were moving, another got in front of them. Or, you know what, we would, but there's no troubled water here of late. Or, you know, I'm missing a lake here. My mobility's more hindered than so-and-so. Folks, we got to own it right here. That's kind of like in John chapter, I think it's 21, the last chapter of the book of John. The Bible talks about uh, that the Lord was speaking to Peter. They had all went fishing again, and he called them in, and he had some fish already on the coals. And he says, Peter, he says, you, 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 you need to serve me, you know, to the end of your days. Do you love me, Peter? He asked him that question three times. He's saying all this stuff to Peter. And then Peter kind of looks to the Lord, and he says, well, Lord, what about John? You know what Peter told, you know what the Lord told Peter? He said, Peter, you let John take care of his life. I'm just paraphrasing. You let John take care of his life and what goes on there. Me and him, that's between me and John. He said, but I'm talking about you. See, it's amazing sometimes when God starts getting down to us and talking about us, we want to start saying, well, what about such and such? Oh, God. Is everybody doing all right? Amen. Amen. So, so we, 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 oh, God. We, we, we got to take the chances. Folks, we could always have an excuse, but the bottom line is this. There were missed opportunities for the man with the infirmity and missed chances because he didn't move when the water wasn't moving. You don't know when it's going to be troubled, but it'll be troubled again. You don't know when it'll be troubled, but you do know it will be troubled. So the preacher Solomon says, he says there in Ecclesiastes, he says, you know what you need to do? He says, here's my advice to you. He said, you're looking at cloud, you're looking at wind, can't sow, can't reap, no, 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 just, oh, it's just horrible. Never, and you know, tomorrow's not looking too favorable either. Those are the best ones. Those are the best ones when a person has a legitimate, let's say excuse, reason, whatever, drawback, and they're already deeming their tomorrow as an impossibility based on their today. Heard him, folks. Sister Jessup, I am just feeling horrible. I'm just feeling horrible. This is Monday. I probably won't be there Wednesday night. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. I'm feeling bad right now, and it's probably looking like it's just going to be a bad week. It's going to be doing pretty bad. I'm just serious. Could you imagine the man that had the withered hand? Whenever Jesus came to him and said, stretch forth your hand, saying, Lord, it's been pretty bad for a few years now, and tomorrow's not looking too good either, so I think I'll just keep it here in the folds. What? So here was Solomon's advice. So for all you looking at the clouds and the winds, you're not going to sow, you're not, you're not, you're, you're, you're not going to reap. He says, you know what I think you need to do? He said, in the morning, sow. He said, in the evening, he said, sow again. What? He said, yeah. He said, whether there's wind or cloud or whatever's going on around you, even if your plow's a little dull, he says, go out and sow. And sow again in the evening. You know why? Because he says, you don't know whether it will or will not prosper. He says, you got the mind frame that it won't. He said, but what if it does? Huh? What if it does? Now, you'll never know, but what if it does if you never sow? 
<laughs> Joe's over here, cripple. I've tried so many times getting in the water, everybody gets in before me. I'm not going to walk today. I'm not going to drag myself today. The water's not troubled anyway. Joe, what if that gets you closer? And what if the next time the waters are troubled, you're the first one in? What if? You don't know. I think sometimes we have kept certain things in our life at arm's distance. We, I tell you, at arm's distance because we didn't move when the waters weren't troubled. Because we had already gotten our mind, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to happen. It can't happen to me. It can't happen for me. Someone say amen. <laughs> you know what Jesus is trying? This man, 38 years. Sir, why don't you make your way toward the water when it's, when it's not even troubled? I mean, get to the edge of the pool when nothing is happening. Go ahead and slide down in there if you want to. Not disturbed, I know, but they're going to become troubled someday. So look at Jesus' actions. I'm trying to hurry. Jesus' actions toward this man. It wasn't per se protocol, but Jesus' actions toward this man when the waters were not troubled. Jesus' actions toward this man right now were actions of grace and actions of mercy. Because here is a man. That did not move when the waters were not troubled. He didn't move and the waters weren't moving. But what Jesus does for this man in this moment. Taught this man and hopefully those that were around a lesson. About what can happen even when the waters don't move. But we do. Because look. Wilt thou be made whole? Waters are still. Nothing's happening. Will, you're asking me if I want to be, the waters ain't moving, Lord. Will thou be made whole? Look, Jesus doesn't touch the man. Nope. He doesn't pray for the man. He doesn't pacify the man. He doesn't excuse the man. Will thou be made whole? And the only thing the Lord says back to him after all of his own excuses and blaming others is this. He simply told the man this when the waters weren't moving. He said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. You know what Jesus, in essence, was relaying to this man? And this was an act of mercy and grace. Jesus was telling the man simply this. Why don't you attempt to do something when the waters ain't moving? Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Oh, but the... Right? What's he trying to get the man used to? Doing something when nothing's happening. And when the man, and this was a grace moment, a mercy moment, when the man stood, took up his bed, and attempted to walk, guess what? He continued walking, and he was made whole in that very what are you saying? Let's do something when the waters are not moving. Folks, when there was no rain in the book of Genesis, yet Noah had a proclamation from God that there was going to be rain. You know what he was doing in the years when there weren't no rain? He was building a boat. He was building a boat. Every day he got him and those three boys out there and they're putting pins together, wooden pins, and he's pitching that thing within and without. There's no rain. There's nothing happening. But you know what he's doing while he's waiting? He's working. While he's waiting, he's preparing. No rain 
rain is coming, but he's going to position himself good for when the rain does come. He's busy himself with building an ark. Thank God that he did because uh, the eight were saved by the ark because he did something when nothing was going on. Thank goodness uh, when there was no deliverance apparent in the den of lions, uh, Daniel waited. You know how? He waited by being firm in his conviction that I prayed, uh, amen, when they said not to pray and I'm going to continue praying. Uh, amen, I'm going to lean upon God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Uh, he wasn't just there doing nothing, but he was dependent upon God. He was working in his waiting and deliverance came in the morning. Someone say amen. When there was pitfall after pitfall, no release in sight for 13 years for Joseph. He didn't waste his time on all the whys is this going on. Why is this happening? But rather, you know what Joseph did in his time of waiting? His question was this, Lord, what should I be doing now? I've been pulled away from my family. My brothers have sold me. I've been this, I've been that and the other. What, what, What should I do now? You know what? Through it all, God's saying, you go on and be the favorite of your family. Oh, here's another juncture of your life. Uh, Joseph, I know you're still 13 years in the plan here, but go on and be the head of Potiphar's house. I tell you what you need to do now, Joseph. Be the captain over the prison. I know it's a bad place. You could excuse why you shouldn't be doing anything. Just sit there on a cock all day and say, woe is me, I've been done wrong. No, he said, you be as best as you can and be the captain of the prison. Joseph was, amen, Joseph was. When the water wasn't troubled, Joseph was moving. Amen, he did. He did something when the waters wasn't moving. And you know where that placed him at the end of 13 years? Second in command over Egypt, over all the granary. He was there to save his family during a time of famine because he did something when the waters weren't moving for him. Stand with me today. We'll, we'll bring this to a close. So the man, when the waters weren't moving, at the obedience of the Lord and an action of grace and mercy from the Lord. Verse 9 says, and immediately the man was made whole. In a moment, not only was he made whole, but I believe Jesus contended with the mindset of this man that only moved normally when the water moved. Jesus changed the mindset of the man. The mindset that says certain things can only happen after the waters are troubled. After this has taken place. The mindset that says progress can only be made after the waters are troubled. You know what Jesus did in that moment? He just pulled back the curtain, if you will, to show the man. You know what, sir? Some awesome things can happen when perceivably there is nothing happening if we'll make a move. So I'm asking us today, if we bow our heads across this place, I'm asking us this morning, what are we lying around waiting for? If the waters are not moving in your life, are you just content just to lie around and wait for the next season? When Jesus himself proved here in this scripture that there can be something that can happen or even poise yourself in a better position if you'll react and act before the waters are ever troubled. What are you saying? I'm saying we, we, sometimes we need to act when the environment tells us we have no reason to act like we're acting. 
We need to get hungry enough for it that we're willing to make progress toward it, even whenever it seems like it's not the answer. We, we need to have a want to and a desire. Let me tell you this morning, you may not get healed for, for the context of the scripture. You may not get healed every time before the waters are troubled. But I guarantee you this, if you will act, move hunger upon desire for it, you'll certainly be in a better position to get it. If you'll wait in motion, if you'll wait in action, if you'll wait while doing, if you'll wait with anticipation in some form when it isn't troubled. You know, just take it just literally today. You know, in the real world, in the real world, people that find themselves, you know, that may be part of governing bodies or become gov- uh, governors or you know, serve on the House of Representatives, all these different, you know, high clout places in society. You know, normally they don't just get out of law school and then assume that position. Typically, there are intervals and steps along the way that between the time that they've left school, per se, and they reach that position of being a House Representative, you know what's happening? They are setting themselves in different positions along the way to get near to their destiny. If they can do that in a natural, literal world, why can't we do that in the world of the church and the spirit? Just better position ourselves when it's not happening for when it does. Because I'm not in reality, I have no excuse to lean back on, well, they got in before me or this happened or that happened. There's always going to be a cloud. There's always going to be a wind. You just got to do what you can do at any time you can do it because you could be positioning yourself for what you need. And so I'm asking people that sit in this audience this morning, these altars are open today. These altars are open today. Well, Brother McGee, I, I just really don't feel no great compelling. Uh, you, know, I, you know, people ain't licking the paint off the ceiling right now. Nobody's running around the church. I just well, why don't you just try to move when you perceive that nothing's going on just to better position yourself for when it does then today? Hallelujah. What, what, what do you do? That's the question you need to ask yourself. What do I do when the waters are not moving? What do I do when the waters are not moving? Are we going to be the man of 38 years infirmity? He's just lying around waiting for the next movement. Or are you going to make some type of progress? You're going, to, you're going to close the gap, if you will, between your need and your answer. Amen. When the waters are not moving. These altars are open today. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. There's no reason to wait. There's no reason to wait by being inactive. You can wait by being in motion. You can wait by crying out to God, hollering up to God. Even if it isn't happening today, you're better positioning yourself for when it does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. Come on, sir. Amen. This, 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 this covers a broad thing. It's not about just if you need healing in your body. Maybe you need deliverance from something in your life. Amen. You, you need to make some headway whenever the waters are not moving. Maybe you become spiritually cold or indifferent. Amen. And you would like for that to change and to alter. Amen. Maybe the waters ain't moving today, but you can make some progress when they're not. You can put forth the effort in spite of of your infirmity you can put forth the effort in spite of your dilemma you can put forth the effort in spite of not feeling like putting forth the effort I guarantee you there was a lot of those cripples that had pain as they tried to make it to the pool. Others dealt with some other things going on in their natural body. Just didn't feel like doing it today. But in the back of their mind, they knew if I make headway today, that's less headway I'll have to make tomorrow. I'm better positioning myself for when it happens. For when it happens. 
Can we pray to the Lord right now? Can we lift up our voices? God, I'm not just going to lie around in my waiting. I'm not just going to be inactive in my waiting. I'm not just going to fold my hands and twiddle my thumbs in my waiting. No, I'm going to do whatever I can do. Amen. To set myself up for the possibility and the opportunity when the spirit moves, when the power falls. I'm going to be where I need to be. I'm going to be where I need to be. I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to get closer. I'm not going to be at distance. I'm going to get closer. Somebody today just might need to go on and slip into the pool. There's no bubbling. There's no troubling. But you might need to go and slip into the pool and just stay there till your, your fingers and your hands begin to wilt having been in the water so long because you know there's another season coming. There's another time coming. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm going to be there when it does. Don't miss your opportunity, sir. Don't miss your opportunity, ma'am. Oh, there's nothing going on now. You still got an opportunity. You have an opportunity to progress today. You have an opportunity to draw nigh to God. An opportunity to draw nigh today. To hunger and thirst after his righteousness today. Uh, you have an opportunity to turn your desire into an action today. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.